Well, great to be with you. Really appreciate the opportunity to come over here and to worship with you. I, I thoroughly enjoyed the worship. I just thought it was very vibrant, full of the life and the presence of God. Fantastic to be with you in that. <clears throat> At the beginning of 2023, I, I was asking the question, uh, God, how do we help people to posture themselves for what might be coming their way this year? Well, if you ask the question, what might be coming your way this year, the answer to that question is we, we don't know, do we? And of course, if this coming year is anything like the last three years, with Brexit, with COVID, with war in Ukraine, with cost of living crisis, with the uh, impact on fuel and house heating and lighting and things like that, you think, well, what is going to happen in 2023? I don't know. And so when it comes to saying to people, well, you know, what are we going to face? What are we going to face together? What are we going to face as a nation? What are we going to face as a church? What are you going to face individually this coming year? The answer is we don't know. But at the time I was asking this question about how to posture God's people as we went into this new year, I was in the middle of Psalms and I was reading Psalm 106 and I really felt God speak to me from Psalm 106 just in terms of um, some guiding principles for our journey into the future that will stand us in good stead with God and in life, whatever the future brings our way. So let's read some verses from Psalm 106. Psalm 106, if you know it, is a salvation history psalm. It's uh, a psalm which speaks of the journey of the Israelites out of Egypt uh, and into the Promised Land. And we're just going to read a selection of verses from this psalm. You can read the whole psalm. When you get home, if you want to, Psalm 106, verse 7 says, When our ancestors were in Egypt, they gave no thought to your miracles. They did not remember your many kindnesses, and they rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea. Yet he, that's God, saved them for his name's sake, to make his mighty power known. He rebuked the Red Sea, and it dried up. He led them through the depths. As through a desert. He saved them from the hand of the foe, from the hand of the enemy. He redeemed them. The waters covered their adversaries, not one of them survived. Then they believed his promises and they sang his praise. But they soon forgot what he had done and did not wait for his plan to unfold. In the desert, they gave in to their craving. In the wilderness, they put God to the test. In the camp, they grew envious of Moses and of Aaron, who was consecrated to the Lord. They exchanged their glorious God for an image of a bull which eats grass. They forgot the God who saved them, who had done great things in Egypt. Then they despised the pleasant land. They did not believe his promise. They grumbled in their tents and did not obey the Lord. So he swore to them with uplifted hand that he would make them fall in the wilderness, make their descendants fall among the nations, and scatter them throughout the lands, which of course is exactly what 
happened. So Psalm 106 spoke to me, not because of what the Israelites did right, but because of what they did wrong. And if you want to sum up the, uh, the wrongness of what they did, the guiding principles of journeying with God in life that they missed, it would be summed up in verse 13, which says, but they soon forgot what he had done and they did not wait for his plan to unfold. I want to just share with you some guiding principles uh, for your journey, not just in the rest of 2023, but actually 2024 and the rest of life. These are guiding principles that will stand you in good stead with the Lord. Whenever you journey, particularly when you journey in a car, there are two things you have to look at. You, of course, have to look at the road ahead of you, but what's one of the things that your driving instructor also tells you always to do? He tells you to look in your mirrors. And if you don't look in your mirrors before you journey and pull away, then he automatically fails you if, he, if you're on a driving test. So I want to suggest to you that we need to be a people who use our mirrors properly and who look forward at the road properly. I want to share with you two, two ways in our journey that we continually need to look backwards and two ways we need to look forwards. So the first way we need to look forwards is we continually need to look back on the work of the cross. 1 Corinthians 11 verses 22 to 23. Paul says this, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread and when he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. So Jesus, obviously, uh, if you're leading churches, they're the verses you often read when as a church we celebrate communion together. But what we need to understand is that when Jesus passed these things on to the disciples at the Passover meal and said, do this in remembrance of me, it wasn't simply so they wouldn't forget it wasn't simply a memory aid. It was far more than that. In the act of remembering Christ and remembering his work on the cross, there is something of the grace of God breaks into our lives. That's why communion is often described as a sacrament. A sacrament is a means of grace. So remembering what Jesus did on the cross is not just a memory aid. It's a sacrament. It's about a means of grace coming to us. And I want to suggest to you that it's not just a good practice, a good guide and principle for your journey in life just to remember the work of the cross when we take communion. This, yes, that is very, very important, but I want to suggest to you that we need to remember daily the work that Jesus did 
on the cross, because it becomes a means of divine grace on our journey, because it reminds us of things that have been established, it reminds us of things that have been reflected to us, and it reminds us of things that can inspire us on the journey. So what, what are the things that, looking back at the work of the cross, reminds us have been established? Well, when I look back at the work of the cross and I remember what Jesus has done, I'm reminded death has been defeated. I am reminded sin has been defeated. I am reminded that my enemy, the devil, has been defeated. And so, as I'm reminded of those established, eternal, profound truths that have been established by the work of the cross, then I'm reminded that there is nothing that needs to bind my life. There is nothing that needs to hold me captive. There is nothing that needs to be my master. There is nothing I need to fear. There is nothing that needs to defeat me in my life because Christ has won the victory over sin, over death, and over the enemy. Amen? Yeah. That was a hearty amen for you. You loved that point and agreed with it, didn't you? We're reminded when we look back on the cross of things that have been established, birthright, foundational truth for you and I to live out of. We're reminded not only that death, sin and Satan have been defeated. We're reminded when we look back on the cross, oh, we've been forgiven. Oh, there's now no condemnation. We're reminded we've been justified. When we stand in the presence of God, we're clothed with the righteousness of Christ. It's just as though we've never sinned. We're reminded when we look on back on the work of the cross that we've been reconciled. We've been adopted. We've been made a new creation. We were enemies of God. Now we're friends of God. We were in the kingdom of darkness. Now we're in the kingdom of light. And so as, we, as daily we look back on the work of the cross, we're reminded of these incredible foundational truths out of which you and I need to live our daily lives if we're going to journey effectively with God in the midst of this spiritual battle. The second thing that looking back on the work of the cross reminds us is not simply of these phenomenal truths that have been established, purchased for you to live out of. We also see things reflected to us because when we look at the astronomical price that has been paid for you and I personally we're reminded of the love of God the depth of that love the height of that love the breadth of that love we're reminded that we are valued you know the, most people in life spend most of their life trying to get a sense of value and appreciation from people through who they are and through what they do. You know what? You don't need to give yourself to that at all because the maker and creator of the universe, when he sent his son Christ Jesus to die for you, said you are worth it. He said you're valued. And so as we look at the work of the cross, we remember that we remember the phenomenal price paid. We remember the depth of the love that's been expressed to us. We know without any 
uncertainty whatsoever that we are valued, not because of anything we've done, but because he, he said it was so. He, he deemed it as such that you and I are valuable. Out of his grace, he did that for you and I. And so we're reminded of God's grace and God's love and God's kindness and God's mercy. And so we're reminded when we look back on the work of the cross of Romans 8.32, which reminds us, if he didn't spare his own son, but gave him up gladly for us when we were sinners, when we were his enemies, how can we be in any doubt whatsoever that he will give us every bit of grace we need for whatever situation is going to come our way this year, next year? And so we're reminded as we look back on the work of the cross of amazing things established and we're reminded also of things in the heart of God that have been reflected towards us. And we're also reminded of things that inspire us. You know, Christians live one of two ways. They either live contractually with God or they live responsively. Most people fall into one of two categories. If you live contractually with God, you have a relationship with God and you live with him for what he can do for you. And that's okay as long as he's doing for you what you want done. But those who have really seen and understood the work of the cross, they don't live contractually. They don't live on the basis of what God can do for me. I have a relationship with you because of because of the benefits you bring into my life, those who live responsibly to God are overwhelmed by what Jesus has done at the cross, what the Father has sacrificed, what the Son has given, what the Holy Spirit went through and enabled. We're overwhelmed by that. I find myself overwhelmed by that. I find at the beginning of each day as I thank God for the cross, I'm overwhelmed afresh after 43 years of walking with Jesus. I'm still overwhelmed every day by the generosity and grace and extravagance of God. And so I don't live the day for what God can do for me. I live the day because he's done it all for me that needs to be done. I'm going to live today in response to that incredible grace that's been poured out to me. So I want to suggest to you, here's a good principle for your journey with God in life this year and the coming years. Set your heart daily to remember the work of the cross. Because that will remind you of phenomenal truths that have been established and purchased as birthrights for you to live in and out of. It will remind you of the nature and the heart and the love of God towards you personally. And it will inspire you to live not contractually with God, but sacrificially and responsively. So... Who thinks looking back on the work of the cross is a good general principle for life? Good. At least six of you. <laughs> All right. Number two, we continually need to look back on God's faithfulness. The definition of faithfulness is someone who's steadfast and loyal in their affection, unswerving in adhering to promises. Scripture tells us God is faithful. He's faithful to his word, his promises, his nature, and he's faithful to us personally. 
Psalm 57, 9 and 10, I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples, for great is your love reaching to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. I will sing, Psalm 89, of the Lord's great love forever. With my mouth, I will make your faithfulness known through all generations. I will declare that your love stands firm forever, that you have established your faithfulness in heaven itself. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. But there's a constant pattern in Scripture, not just in Psalm 106, but generally. There's a constant pattern in Scripture that God's people forget God's past faithfulness. That's what we see in Psalm 106. Looking back and rehearsing God's faithfulness is a guiding principle for our journey if we want to be faith-filled for the future. We need to be faithful to get full of uh, rejoice and celebrate God's faithfulness in the past. Here are some ways to facilitate, to facilitate continually looking back on and celebrating God's faithfulness. Some quick ways to do that. Read your Bible regularly. Read it daily. I read mine daily. I have done 43 years. Read your Bible daily because the Bible is full of accounts of God's faithfulness to his word, his promises to his people. And one of the things you can do as you look back in God's word and see his faithfulness to his people and his word and his promises is you can pull that faithfulness into your own situation. You understand it doesn't stay in the past. You can use it in a sense as a springboard for confidence in your own situation. So I've been living a bit out of Psalm 118 recently. I've been standing... I've been in a situation, a couple of situations, where I felt very hard-pressed, very under pressure on some issues, really wondering what is going to happen here. And then I was reading Psalm 118, and the psalmist says in verse 5, he says, when I was hard-pressed, oh, now this got my attention, because I am in a season where I'm hard-pressed. When I was hard-pressed, the psalmist says, I remembered. Oh, what did he remember? In Psalm 5, he says, when I was hard-pressed, I remember. In, in Psalm 6, he said, I remembered the Lord was with me. I will not be afraid. He says in verse 7, I remembered the Lord was at my side as my helper. And then in verse 11, he says, he eventually says, and I overcame by the name of the Lord and in verse 7, he also says, I looked in triumph on my enemies. And so, as I was hard going through that time of being hard-pressed, I saw the faithfulness of God to the psalmist. I saw what the psalmist was remembering. And I saw that in the power of God's name, the psalmist ultimately overcame and looked in triumph on his enemies. That'll do. I pull that expression of God's faithfulness into my day to be confident that the same God that was faithful to the psalmist when he was hard-pressed is going to be faithful to me 
when I am hard-pressed. That's why it's important to read Scripture daily, because every day you will read accounts of God's faithfulness and grace and mercy and help to his people. He never lets them down, and it will fill you with confidence as you move forward looking for God's faithfulness in your own life. The second thing that's helpful in celebrating God's faithfulness, firstly, is to read Scripture daily and celebrate the faithfulness to saints of old in Scripture that we then use in our today, but it's also to celebrate God's faithfulness to other people. For three and a half years, we've been praying for a couple who've been struggling to get pregnant. We probably prayed for them Almost every day, at least five days out of seven, we prayed for this couple. We stood by them. Not many people knew. They were struggling to conceive. So a few months ago, uh, they, they got pregnant. And I think now she's sort of 22 weeks or something like that. Oh, well, how, how rejoicing in the faithfulness of God were me and my wife at that time. It was almost as though it was happening to us. You know what, that's one of the great advantages. If you don't have a prayer life that prays for other people, you'll never be able to, to be enriched by the faithfulness of God to other people. When you share in praying for people, you will also celebrate when God is faithful to people. So celebrate God's faithfulness to others. Extend and deepen and widen your prayer life and you will be full of stories of the faithfulness of God. Next, celebrate God's faithfulness to you, per you personally. You know, I start most days by thanking God for the prayers that he's answered of yesterday. Most days start with, thank you, Lord, you answered this prayer, you answered that prayer. We're still praying for this and that, but I celebrate your faithfulness to us yesterday. And if I'm praying for an issue that I want to be faith-filled in, I rehearse what I remember about God's faithfulness in similar situations. You understand? So if I'm facing a health situation, I remember where God's been faithful in the past on health issues. If I'm praying about a financial situation, I remember I recount stories to myself of when God was faithful in the past to us financially. So we become a people that celebrate the faithfulness of God and look back correctly on God's faithfulness when we read the Bible regularly, when we pray with other people and celebrate his faithfulness to others, and when we celebrate daily his faithfulness to us on a daily basis. And then finally, I'd always encourage everyone to journal. I journal I've journaled for 43 years of my Christian life every day I've written. Written verses next to scripture. Uh, I've written things I'm praying for, things that I'm going through. I've got a Bible app that allows me to do that, has allowed me to do that for 15 years, last 15 years. I've actually got notebooks in the loft, but the app's helpful. A few weeks ago, I was reading through uh, um, John chapter 4, and I found some notes next to one of the verses from September 2014. And it's the account in John 4 of where the official whose son is dying comes to Jesus and says, will you come, to the, will you come? my son's going to die? And he says to the official, your son's been healed. And there's this phrase there. It says, 
the official took Jesus at his word and departed. And in my notes, in September 2014, I wrote six big things I was worried about and praying about. And next to each one, I wrote what God had spoken and promised about each situation. Now I'm reading again in March 2023. And every one of those six things has come true exactly as God said they would. So, so how encouraged about the faithfulness of God to his word and his promises do I feel at that point? So you know what I did? I wrote notes for March 2023 and I wrote six new things. Because there's always things you're having to believe for the faithfulness of God in so let's be those that look back properly by remembering the work of cross. Let's be those that look back properly by celebrating God's faithfulness. And then let's look forward properly. Let's look forward thirdly in the light of God's promises. 2 Corinthians 1.20. Continually look forward in the light of God's promises. 2 Corinthians 1.20, no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ, and so through the amen is spoke, and through him the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Isaiah 55, 10 and 11, as the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. The future is not shaped either globally or personally by the will of man, by man's evil intent, by chance, by fate, by unfortunate circumstances. It's shaped by the words and promises of God. Therefore, we need to know his promises. We need to believe his promises. We need to speak out his promises. We need to remind one another of his promises and we need to pray out of those promises. General promises... There's hundreds and thousands of them in the Bible. Promises like Jesus saying, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Promises that nothing shall separate us from the love of God. Promises that he will work everything together for the good of those who love him. Promises that we won't be tempted beyond what we can endure. Promises that if we ask, we'll receive. If we knock, the door will be opened. So many promises that we need to know, believe, remind ourselves of, remind one another of, and live in and out of and pray out of, confidently. And then there's specific promises we also need to live in the light of. You know the promises God's made to you as a church. We have promises God's made to us as a church, and you know the promises God has made to you individually as well. And we need to pray out of those. I felt God give me a promise. There were some people very close to me who were coming under some sustained spiritual attack for months and months and months. And I was reading 1 Chronicles 16, verse 21 to 22. And I just felt God give me a promise for these two people. And as I was reading that verse, it simply says this, and it was about God's people journeying with him. It says that God allowed no one to oppress them. He rebuked their enemies he said, do not touch my anointed ones, do my prophets no harm. 
And so for months, probably eight, nine months, I've been praying out of that promise over these people, just declaring these are God's, uh, these are God's chosen people. These are God's prophets. These are God's anointed ones. You promise, Lord, the enemy shall not oppress, shall not harm, shall not touch. As much of a battle as they're in at the moment, I am believing you that the enemy will not have victory in this and they will come out of this unscathed and untouched. You have promises over your life. You have promises over people you care for. We need to be a people that journey looking forward in the right way and looking forward means looking through the screen of God's grace and promises to us. His general promises and his specific promises. And then lastly, we need to journey in the light of God's unfolding plan. Psalm 106, 13 says, They soon forgot what God had done and did not wait for his plan to unfold. Have you ever jumped to a conclusion prematurely? You think you know the outcome and you've missed an amazing opportunity because you've, you've been premature in the judgment you've made? About 20 years ago, a letter came through the post in our house and the letter said that someone had deposited £10,000 in our account but it was an account with my name on that I'd never opened or known anything about. I read this letter, screwed it up, put it in the bin. Didn't believe it. Jumped to a conclusion. It must. My wife, who's so much more godly, soft-hearted, believing, she said, she got the letter out of the bin. She said, we need to check whether this is real and true. We checked whether it was real and true, and guess what? An account had been opened with our name in and £10,000 had been deposited into it. But Mr. Jumped to Conclusions in the middle would have binned it and never taken any interest in it at all. Well, that's exactly what the Israelites did, wasn't it? They jumped to conclusions about what God was doing and not doing. Prematurely, in the middle of God's unfolding plan, they jumped to conclusions. So they come up against the Red Sea, and here's their conclusion, God's abandoned us. God's abandoned us. He's brought us here to be killed by the hand of the Egyptians or to drown in the Red Sea. So it says in Psalm 106, verse 7, they rebelled. What was God's unfolding plan? He parted the Red Sea. They were in the desert. They had no food, no water. They, they, here was their conclusion. God and Moses have brought us here to die. Psalm 106, verse 14, it says they put God to the test. They were disobedient. What was God's unfolding plan? Water from the rock and manna and quail from heaven. Mount Sinai, My, Moses was gone a long time. Here's their conclusion. He's not coming back. We're on our own. What did they do? They made and worshipped a golden bull. What was God's unfolding plan? The glorious gift of Ten Commandments. We can all do it. I've done it multiple times. Actually, we were five and a half years without being able to get pregnant while trying. Then after five and a half years of praying daily, Linda conceived, and then at 14 weeks, she got pregnant. Sorry, she didn't get pregnant at 14 weeks. She miscarried at 14 weeks. Well, what was my conclusion? It's going to be another five and a half years of praying. 
before we have the opportunity to be pregnant again. Two months later, Linda was pregnant and conceived our son, Joshua, who's now 32 years of age. In 2003, I came to Tees Valley Community Church with a promise that God was going to do great things with us and through us and in that church. In 2009, I'd lost half the leadership team. The church was in the doldrums, and my conclusion was no great things are going to happen while I'm leading this church. But God's unfolding plan, a number of years later, I had an even better team, and God started to do and continues to do even greater things in and through us as a church than I ever in my wildest dreams imagined was possible. And one final one, in 2016, I was diagnosed as having Crohn's. I, I'm a medical doctor by background, so in 2016, I had a colonoscopy, and they said, I've got Crohn's. Well, my conclusion was I'm going to have a lot of problems now over the coming years. God's unfolding plan in 2019 and 2020, they re-scoped me and couldn't find any evidence of the Crohn's whatsoever. In, in Psalm 106, verse 13, we see the Israelites didn't journey correctly because they didn't look behind and remember what God had done, and they didn't wait for his plan to fully unfold, and they ended up in the wilderness, not in the promised land. In 2023, 24 and beyond, on our journey, we will find ourselves in various ways in the middle of God's unfolding plan. And it can be difficult in the middle when you can't see the end. It can be difficult. But be assured, whatever you find yourself in, however it looks, don't be tempted to jump to conclusions because you will be in the middle of God's divine, sovereign, powerful, amazing, sovereign plan. Don't be tempted to give up. Don't be tempted to sin. Don't be tempted to stop trusting, to go elsewhere, or to build a calf. Keep looking to God. Keep serving him. Keep trusting him. Because whether you're facing a Red Sea or a desert wilderness, you know the heart, the love, the power, and the promises of the one whose unfolding plan you are in. And with him... Red seas part, rocks bring forth water, and the heavens can supernaturally bring manna and quail. So some guiding principles for your journey in 2023. Continually look back at the work of the cross. Continually look back and celebrate the faithfulness of God. And continually move forward in the light of God's promises, knowing you are at all times in God's unfolding plan. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Awesome. Thank you, Martin. Absolutely spot on. Um, church family, we'll, um, we'll return to worship just for a moment, but with anything like this, like anything that's shared,